Morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Chalk Talk. I am your host, Kim Davis. It is Tuesday, and for all of you in uh, the Gulf Coast area, Houston, uh, south of Houston, I hope that you're all safe, right? We had a storm come through, and hopefully you fared well with Hurricane, uh, which turned to be Tropical Storm Nicholas. I believe that was his name. So uh, I lost power for a while. Obviously, power's back on, uh, doing well. So I hope that the same for you, and I encourage you to be safe if you're moving around in these Nicholas streets, okay? Um, power, be on the lookout for power, uh, lines that are down and, and, and just any residual flooding. But it looks like for the most part, the area didn't do too bad. Uh, those closer to the Gulf Coast along uh, Freeport and Surfside and some places in Galveston were hit obviously harder than those of us inland. So I just wanted to say, um, I wanted to just offer some, uh, Words for that and uh, best wishes. I mean, this is the peak, the height of hurricane season. Hopefully we can get through it without a whole lot more of these crazy storms coming through. But welcome, welcome to Chalk Talk. I am your host, Kim Davis. Today is Tuesday, September the 14th. It has been uh, a busy uh, week since we were last together. Of course, there was the start of the NFL season, which started last Thursday night. With the Dallas Cowboys uh, taking on the the um, defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay, it was a good football game. Tampa won that game. Then over the weekend, there was lots of college football. Uh, my Aggies, you know, had to really fight for that win in Colorado. Um, USC has uh, moved on from its football coach. Lots of news. Lots of big NFL games over the season, and of course, on Saturday, this past Saturday, was the um, remembrance, if you will, the observance of the 20-year anniversary of um, 9-11. So that was uh, a somber, uh, good to remember, and, and also just good to be reminded how we sometimes can pull together as a nation and, uh, and maybe a reminder that we should. So that was all over the weekend. And so I just wanted to kind of start the show remembering uh, some of those things. So uh, you still have to keep the first responders and the families of all of those who were lost in 9-11 uh, in your thoughts and prayers. Um, genuinely, not just to say it, uh, but actually to do the things that show that uh, we appreciate our troops and their service and we appreciate our first responders uh, and their service and all that kind of good stuff. So. I just wanted to start the show with that. Now, uh, getting into the world of football, uh, it was a busy, busy weekend around the National Football League. It was the official start to the NFL regular season. The Houston Texans got a win on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars at home at NRG Stadium. And, you know, there were some who might say, well, you know, what do you expect? Of course they, you know, should have won um, you know, should have won that game. It was Jacksonville. I picked them to beat Jacksonville. I did. Um, I didn't think they would win as handily as they won. And I get it. You know, everybody, it's it's week one. It was the Jaguars. And uh, but it was a, it was it was an impressive outing for the Texans. There's just no other way around it. Right. You've got to give credit where credit is due. That is one of the games that I thought they had a chance to win. They went into that game as I think three and a half point underdogs. But wind up uh, wound up winning that game. Um, the score was, uh, you know, was closer at the end because in the second half, you know, the Texans started to uh, 
it got a little a little sloppy, right? They, the first the first half was clean, right? No penalties, um, or actually few penalties, no turnovers, you know, no real like busted plays, and so it was um it was a good outing for for the Houston Texans, and and all you can do is is give them credit for that. Also. You got to give credit to this new staff. You know, I know that there was a lot of talk about David Culley, you know, the new head coach and, and whether or not he, um, you know, what he brought to the table. And listen, here's what I say. Um, that staff looked, uh, it, it, there's no chaos, right? They, they look organized. They looked like they were ready. And it, but that's not a surprise because if you've covered this team during training camp and throughout preseason, um, that is what you saw from them. You know, that's what you saw in, throughout the preseason and training camp. And so, you know, I was one of those skeptics early on. I have to admit when they hired David Cully because I wasn't that familiar with him. And I quickly, you know, backed away from that because I have to remember, we don't know, um, you know, you know, and, and to, let me say this: to keep talking about him being 65 years old, like that's old. Um, I think that's a disservice to him. And let's not pretend he's not qualified. He has spent a, um, a a professional lifetime working in this National Football League, and so because he had not had opportunities before this year, does not mean he's not qualified. I just I want to say that, right? Especially for black coaches. You know, when he started, there weren't a whole lot of coordinators. And so many times we don't get those opportunities till later. So I just want to, you know, go on record as saying, you know, first of all, congratulations to Coach Cully. We told him that after the game um, and glad to see him doing what he can in a situation that is probably not ideal. He surrounded himself with some uh, good parts. He kept Romeo Cornell. He's got Lovey Smith as a defensive coordinator. Tim Kelly as the OC. And actually, we we probably saw Tim Kelly for the first time actually call a game the way he would on Sunday. You know, prior to that, he was always kind of under the tutelage of Bill O'Brien. I thought Tim Kelly called a good game. So give credit to where credit is due. Uh, Tyrod Taylor looked good. Uh, he looked confident. He made good decisions. They didn't turn the ball over. There's a couple passes that almost got away from him, but at the end of the day, they did not turn it over. Uh, the final score was 37 to 21, and some of those late points were kind of garbage time, if you will. Um, but I thought that the Texans got off to a great start, and at least for the first week, okay, just for this week, um, we can say that the Houston Texans are in first place in the AFC South. I don't know that we'll ever say that again this season, but right now they're the only team in their, in their division that walked away with a win. So I wanted to just kind of start with that. David Culley, you know, who has been uh, consistently professional and consistently, um, you know, just a really, you know, forthcoming and, and, and decent, good person like to work with. You know, he's not cynical and snippy. Uh, he knows he's been questioned. He's He's been true to what he um, says he's going to do. He gives information to you as much as he can. And I think the one thing, and I'm going to say this and we're going to get it out of the way and we're going to be done with it. The way he handled initially the questions about Deshaun Watson, um, he took a lot of criticism for that. Like, why is he saying that? Well, he's saying it because that's not, he has no control over that, right? And so those decisions about how those responses are made with the staff undoubtedly come from upstairs. So I think he gets a pass on that. 
Um, and I can respect the fact that he's not talking about it every week because there's nothing to say about it. Kind of like we, us here, we don't talk about it because there's no news. When there's news, we will give it to you. But um, until then, we're going to talk about what's happening. And one of the things that's happening is I'm super excited that uh, my friend and one of my all-time favorite um, NFL players uh, is joining me today. Um, we called him a media favorite. You know, we talked about him this weekend, actually, in the press box. And we were like, yeah, we miss guys like Jonathan Joseph being around in the locker room, although we don't really get to go to the locker room. But just in terms of being able to talk to. So good morning, Jonathan. Thank you for uh, joining me on Chalk Talk. Uh, good morning, Kim. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's like old times. So by the, by the telling from by the time you texted me last night, I'm guessing you were up watching that Monday night game. Oh, for sure. I was up watching the game, you know, catching some of the storm, all of the above. But, you know, for the start of the season off on a Monday night like that, man, the NFL is off to a roll just to see both of those teams go out and play situational football, compete to the end, and, you know, have a little distraction, then able to find their folks and come back out and play some football. That was fun. That was a fun game to watch. Did anything surprise you in that game? I know that Derek Carr has been under a lot of uh, – has received a lot of criticism, and every year the thought is that Gruden's going to get rid of him. But I think people forget he, he put up more than 4,000 yards last year. He can still play. Oh, for sure. And then you got to think, he has a big brother that was a number, number one overall pick that through, went through a lot of up and down throughout his career. So normally when it's like that, he had the front seat at the table to sit and watch everything that his brother went through and learn from it. And obviously he super talented himself. And I think putting a guy like Gruden around him you know, able to coach him up and get him to do the things the right way and just truly believe in him, you know, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of trade chatter and things like that surrounding him. And I think he's able to just play football. You see him go out last night and play at a high level and make throws all over the field, but more importantly, keep his uh, poise and make, you know, timely throws when it mattered the most for that team. I want to ask you about a couple other uh, games before we get to, um, I want to get your thoughts on what you saw from your former team, the Texans this weekend. Um, Jameis Winston, who has not started since 2019, but he had the, he was able to sit under the tutelage of um, Drew Brees last year. And his big thing was not turning it over. He had almost a I mean, near perfect game against Green Bay on Sunday. What do you think about his, his ceiling, his upside? Oh man, it's big because you know, a guy like Jameis, you know, I'm excited for him and just to see where it takes him to because a guy like him comes as a number one overall pick. And a lot of times they get thrust into action right away and don't have someone to sit behind them and learn from and show them the ins and outs, the way to be a professional. And not more so off the field, but more so what to do during the game, when to make this throw and not make that throw. And I think he had some ups and downs early in his career, put up a lot of big touchdown numbers. But, you know, in this league, you can't turn the ball over. And that was the big thing for him. And I think having a chance to go sit behind a guy like Drew Brees and not being too prideful and say that I'm a starter in this league. And I think you see what he's learned and he's taking his game to the next level. Not only is he still throwing touchdowns, now he's cut down his interception numbers. And he's looking like, you know, the leader that people always knew he was when he was drafted number one. So I think any quarterback in this situation right now, he has the most upside, especially from a contractual standpoint. Oh, yeah, because he could get paid after this year. And Jonathan, you, of course, spent 15 seasons in the league. I want to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. And as a as a cornerback, so you when you look at the quarterbacks in the league right now, who are you most impressed with in terms of just I mean, I know it's week one, but in terms of the guys that you saw play this weekend, who stood out to you? 
the most? Oh man, this weekend. Oof. Callie Murray. Callie okay. Murray. Uh Tyrod Taylor. Herbert up in uh the Chargers. It's so many good quarterbacks now. It's just, you know, when you turn on the TV now, I think the quarterbacks are playing at an all-time high level around the league where guys can just sling it all over the field. And, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of teams are starting to put certain playmakers around those guys. And I think that's the exciting brand the NFL want to see. Obviously, guys putting up points. But I think right now the quarterback play in this league is at an all-time high. So you mentioned Tyrod Taylor, okay? He is, of course, quarterback in the Houston Texans. You're a former team. Um, I-, I think, you know, those of us who've seen Tyrod throughout his career know – it's clear that he has talent. He just had some bad breaks, right? He's had some bad breaks in his career. But when I saw him on Sunday, and I've seen him throughout camp and preseason, he just looked comfortable. Um, he, you know, there are questions throughout camp. I'm listening to some of my colleagues ask whether or not he could throw it deep. I always thought he could. He showed he can do that. And the guys seem to um, feel confident with him and his leadership. But I thought he played a played a good game on Sunday. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. You know, I think he's always been a guy that's been aware of turnovers, so he haven't turned the ball over a lot. But I think it also held his production back because he ain't able been to make as many plays because he's always had that in the back of his head. And I think it's just sometimes being in the right situation to where he's able to just play and be himself and know that he's the guy and not if he go out there and have a bad game or a two-game bad stretch and he's going to get pulled and someone one else is going to be in the starting position. I don't know the, all the ins and outs <clears throat> throughout his career, mm-hmm. but just looking from afar, I think that kind of the situations he's been in, even when he's been in Buffalo and he was paid the money, you see he ended up getting released from that deal. So I think now, and being around Tim Kelly, I know the joy he brings and, you know, the confidence that he gives his quarterbacks. So I mm-hmm. think it's kind of probably might be a match made in heaven for those two because obviously I know Tim want to have success and Tyrod's at that point in his stage. Um, just like James Winston, you know, got been a start before to where, I think I can lead a team, and this can be my team to lead. So I think he's in a good situation. You mentioned Tim Kelly, and I said in, in the open that Tim Kelly, I thought, called a really good game on, on Sunday. Um, and I think we're probably seeing Tim Kelly really for the first time in terms of what he can do as an OC, right? Because one of the things it, that I get from David Cully is that he's going to let his coordinators um, run their side of the ball. He's the head coach, but he's going to let Lovey run the defense. He's going to let Tim uh, run the offense. And I think that we saw Tim Kelly actually call, I want to say his first game. He technically called the games before, but I thought Tim Kelly showed us that he's, he's got a lot of stuff in his bag. Yeah, for sure. I think that's smart of coach Kelly, you know, first time being a head coach, he don't want to mm-hmm. put too much on his plate from a day-to-day standpoint. So I think, you know, the job as a head coach first and foremost is oversee the team. So I think when you have guys in place like Lovey Smith, who's been to Super Bowl before coach forever in this league, Great coach, probably a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, you still have Romeo Cornell expertise in the building. But then you take a guy like Tim Kelly, who came from the bottom, learned a lot, was always in the film room, learning different schemes. And then I think finally having this time to flourish and do things his way, I think it's tremendous for him because he's always been a – I look at him as an innovator, coming up with different ways and different things when he have been able to make you know his input on things there. And I think he's a competitive guy, just knowing from the time he was there when I was there. In practice, we would always go at it back and forth, and he would always try to have something the next day in store for us. So I just know the way he prepares and the what he brings to the table. 
I'm talking with Jonathan Joseph, uh, a former cornerback with the National Football League, in his first, I guess, full season as a retired player. Uh, not even 40 yet, and he's retired, but he played 15 seasons, couple Pro Bowls. I think the number was 32 interceptions. He, he put up some good numbers from South Carolina and was always somebody um, in the locker room, win or lose, but give it to you straight. So from all of those, for the rest of us in the media who always were hovered around your locker we appreciate that about you. <laughs> you know, it was very helpful to have somebody in the locker room who would, you know, just be willing to talk win a win a win a loss. So I, um, for all those guys, the ones that you know, the the little gang that be hovering around, we just I just want to say thank you on behalf of them. Enough about them. Let me ask you something, Jonathan. You because you did play a number of seasons in the league. You played in. I covered you with the Texans. You were with them when they had some really good seasons, and you were with them in some of those really bad years. What is it like as a player when all the noise outside is about this team isn't very good, they won't min- win many games, you know, um, is the team going to tank so they can get a better draft pick? Uh, my opinion has always been players don't tank. I don't know what GMs do in terms of how they maneuver the roster, but players want to win. Can you just speak to kind of that? Because that's where this Texans team is this year. Yeah, I think, you know, me playing for 15 years, I've seen my share of coaching changes staff changes, general managers, whatever it may be. And I think I've tried to always as a player keep myself, you know, separated from that. Obviously, when someone asks your opinion or, you know, bring you in on a conversation, you, you know, address it however accordingly. But for me, I always wanted to keep it separate because I think when you start to have stuff like that creep in, it does play with players' minds because you can't police everyone and tell them, don't read the news clippings. Don't listen to this. No, don't do this. Because we're all individuals at the end of the day. But I think when you have the right leader at the helm and whoever that guy is bringing the right message each and every day and the guys inside that building in the locker room buy into it, now I think that would create a different narrative for their team. Now they go out and play for something totally different. You know, you make a great point because I get that, you know, from all those players, they seem bought in. And I hear people outside say, no, they're not. This guy's, I said, listen, I, I, I've covered the league a long time, and you can tell when players are not really buying in, but you see it. You see this team saying, you know what? We're not going to worry about the fact that everybody outside thinks that we're not very good. All we can do is come in and do what we do each week. And I think that's where sometimes um, fans and even media can underestimate what it takes to play in this league and that when you suit up and play, you're always trying to win, no matter the other stuff that's going on, because that's just kind of... That's how you got there, right? It's playing to win. For sure, for sure. I think, you know, guys just have, we're, we're wired up one way, and that's just to go all out. You know, and I think, you know, as a team, you have to do your job and your research and bring in the right guys in the building first and foremost. Because as you know, it only takes a few to make everything go the opposite way now. You're in the middle of the season. You're pulling guys, guys not starting, cutting guys, trading guys. And that's part of the business also. But it right. becomes a distraction, too, when it's certain guys, you know. And um, I think. Just, you know, like I said before, bringing the right guys in the building. And I think that's the easiest thing because if I can look at my teammate next beside me and whoever that guy is, no matter who he is, and say, okay, he's bought in. And you have the next guy, so on and so on. Now I think that's the way a team has started to form. And now once you get that, it's kind of hard to break that bond, especially when you have a team where guys like each other, hang around each other and things like that. You don't have to necessarily like each other, but respect each other. Well, I, I see that in this uh, on this team, and, and, and granted, I think I know it's early. I don't know um, 
how great they'll be this season. I, I mean, I think you know this is not a championship team at this point. But one of the things I think we're going to see from this Texans team is they're going to always compete. Um, I think they're going to be well coached. And, you know, and that's that's a lot, right? That's, that's half the battle because that's where it starts. And then you just never know what happens along the way. Let me ask you, you played 15 years in the league. Uh, that is um, not common, right? That's not a typical uh, career. What was it for you that allowed you to play so long um, and at such a level? I think uh, first and foremost, just having a work uh, ethic, work ethic and work habit, you know, always trying to get better. And I think uh, being available, you know, taking care of your body where you're available for your team. And I think that's the biggest thing, although it sounds crazy to do that for that long. But, you know, when you have the love and the fire for the game, there's nothing like getting out there and competing and being around your guys and being available. And I think, you know, um, for me, it was one of those things to where when you get uh, in the NFL, some guys kind of stick to where they are, stick to this scheme, that scheme. You have to be able to adapt to the way the game is changing. You know, if you, when I first came in the league, you look at the shoulder pads I was wearing then compared to the shoulder pads I was wearing six, seven years ago. You know, it was all 12 personnel, 21 personnel. You know, you can know when a play action coming or a bomb is coming because right. it was more run-oriented offense back then, play action. Now the game switched, you know, somewhere along midpoint of my career to where they start airing the ball out. And I've seen that a lot being in the ALC North, although they ran the ball. You play Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben is going to throw it 50 times if he can. Mm -hmm. And I think being able to just adjust my game to that, I think that was able to keep me in the league for so long, just looking at different techniques, different ways to get things done and execute. And at the end of the day, just getting the job done. And I think that's a different thing. I think I tell young guys, you can't stay the same player, the player you was when you came in the league because the league is forever changing. They're attacking guys different, different formations, just different things. And they're always thinking they're getting creative. So the defensive player, you have to stay ahead of the curve. I never really studied receivers. I more so studied the offensive coordinators, tendencies, and things like that, which could always give me a heads up pre-snap what the play possibly could be. You know, I never really got caught up into matchups. You know, mm -hmm. obviously, it's the guy that's going across from me is my matchup. But at the end of the day, regardless, if that guy goes down from an injury, now what am I going to do if I'm caught up into a matchup? I have to know exactly what's going on and how they're trying to attack me and my defense. I think that's a, a really great point, and, and it's a really some really interesting insight that you studied the offensive coordinators and their tendencies, right? And so is that where we always hear situational football? Is that what that is, is so that you know what to expect regardless of the personnel? Yeah, for sure, because, you know, they get creative. You know, the Patriots are probably one of the better, one, better teams at it. I think the Baltimore Ravens had a run when they were doing the tackles over and things like that. But a lot of times you go back and look at the freeze frame or some of those pictures, whether it was motion or something else, it's the same picture as something else, but it's just a different personnel, whether it's 11, 12, 13 personnel, because a team may be really strong in the defensive backfield. So why would you go out there and send all your receivers out there? But they may be weak in the linebacker core. So now you want to go and attack them in three tight end sets, but make it look the same way as three wide receiver sets. You know, so it's just different things. And you have to be able to see it and process it really fast and put your time into it. But, you know, I have friends, we joke about it all the time. Look at Jerry Rice run routes, Tim Brown, all those guys from back then. It's the same splits and the same cuts as it is today in football. You know, it yeah. feels only so wide and only so long. One ball out there, 11 guys on 11. So you only can do so much with so much space. 
So when you understand those dynamics of the game, it can slow the game down for you. You have a chance playing for 15 years. Is that, you say slow the game down for you. Is that one of, it, it seems like that's the biggest adjustment from players from college to the NFL is the speed of the game, right? And so if they can find a way to slow the game down, it gives them a chance to make that adjustment, that transition. Is that fair? For sure, because like I said, a lot of people get caught up in matchups and it's hard not to because social media, television, mm -hmm. talk shows, radio, just so much going on leading up until these games, it's a lot of hype. And that's what we earn at this highest level is you know everything that's around this game. But I think the guys who are mentally focused and, you know, tunnel vision are the ones who are able to go out there and execute. And I think, you know, it's the simplest thing from two back formation sets. It can be a 20 look. Any two back look to me is all the same thing because it's two backs. No matter how you get to it, you have two extra guys back there to block up. So for me, I'm always thinking just shots downfield or mm. for wide receivers out wide plus on the splits. Me, it's either a go ball, slant or a hitch. And the way he releases off the ball going to tell me everything else. Or so if a tell me when you, for those who don't know, tell us when you say 20 ball, tell us what that means. Say again, sorry. Oh, when, you when say, I say 20, look, that's two backs, zero tight ends in the game, right? Because you have five eligible receivers. And um, so now when you have two backs, it can be eye back, eye near, which is eye formation, old school football, or it can be in the shotgun with two backs, but it's still two backs back there. No matter what they're doing to me and my eyes, they're trying to block up something to get protection. But you have so many people caught up in looking at certain things instead of just going to the basics, in my opinion. It's just two backs. I'm talking with Jonathan Joseph, a former Houston Texan. Uh, was a first-round pick. Uh, spent 15 years in the NFL. He didn't. He came to Houston from Cincinnati, right? You started in Buffalo, is that right? Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Uh, came to Houston, uh, spent mu much of his career with the Texans, which is where I got a chance to cover him and get to know him. And so um, we're talking about just uh, kind of the, what happens in the league. And, and Jonathan, if you will, give us, give the audience a sense of what a day is like, because I don't know that people really understand that it's not just those couple hours that we may see you guys on the field. What is a whole, what's, what's your day like as an NFL player in terms of going about your business during the season? Ooh, uh, I think, you know, um, I'll give you the average, kind of the average okay. uh, day. You know, everybody's schedule a little different because some guys may come and work out early or some guys may just like to get their day going early. But normally, typically guys will get in the building around 6.15 to 6.30. Most meetings don't start until around 7.30 or 8. You know, obviously you come in and have breakfast. You may want to get a massage. You may want to stretch. Or you may just want to come over and just get your mind right and think to yourself and have some time to yourself before you get your day started. And um, meetings around 7.30, which normally is either special teams or the team meeting, and depend upon how the day before went, can lead up to how that team meeting goes, you know, whether the coach is in a good mood or a bad mood, obviously. <laughs> and, you know, you have uh, you have your certain days which are longer days. Obviously, on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, I mean, a Wednesday and a Thursday, them are your longer days because them are your work days. You're putting the game plans in, you're installing and things like that for the team that you're preparing to play. Friday is a shorter day. So most of those days pretty much have meetings from 8 to about 1130, 12 o'clock before you have a little break between 12 or one o'clock before you have to be out on the field. And um, once you go out onto the field, pretty much you're out there for two, two and a half hour practice. And then once that pretty much is done, you have to come back in, meet with the media, 
you know, get yourself together. What is if you're injured, go in the training room, get in the cold tub, go get a lift in with the weight uh, coach. Or you may have to catch up on film and go see your coach. And you have to do all that within time before you get back to your next meeting where you're able to go back out there and look over the practice film and review and go over things. And on top of that, you're going to pre-install the game plan for the next day just to get a jump on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And um, you have some guys that will stay out to practice and get some more work in. So normally that day starts about 6.15, 6.30 and don't end between 5.30 to 6 o'clock before you leave the building on most days. So um, talking to Jonathan Joseph, uh, former uh, Houston Texan, former NFL player uh, from Pro Bowler, first round pick, all that kind of great stuff uh, from South Carolina. I got to make sure I get that in, right? <laughs> repping, your, repping your home state. For sure. And I, I think it's important because I, I don't think people really realize all that goes into it, right? And we're not even going to talk about offseason just yet, but there's a lot. It's a real job, right? I mean, oh, you may yeah, like it. Yeah. We see it as it flashes TV, but it's a lot of work to be at that level, not just physically, but also mentally. Oh, for sure. You know, you just can't stroll in the building and, you know, say, well, it was traffic. You know, I'm a little late. You know, that just doesn't fly. <laughs> you know, that doesn't fly. You walk in the building, you know, most times it's a ten, fourteen thousand dollars fine. Or you just don't want to be the guy to let your teammates down to think that you was too inconsiderate. You know, most times mm. that's the situation, if you call 30, 40 minutes ahead of time, Coach give guys, well, he's running late or, you know, use intentional about it. But, you know, that's a fine line that you walk in the NFL. You just can't walk into a meeting late. You know, it's just different things to about the respect level and you're at the highest professional. So they want to hold you up to a certain standard. And I think teams don't have those rules in place. You know, you're setting a bad, you know, code of standard. So it's a fine line. You have to walk as a player. And on top of that, everything that you do, everyone's watching you when you leave the building. So you have to mm-hmm. act accordingly each and everywhere you go. So. That's also part of the job, whether you like it or not also, because at the end of the day, you have to answer to Roger Goodell, who is the commissioner. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, speaking of Roger Goodell and the league, so the, the league is now going to 17 regular season games. Um, what are your thoughts about that? <laughs> I think guys initially had some pushback. You know, my last few years in there, the discussion was already being made about it. But, you know, as I know, Anytime they're talking about it, it's going to happen for sure. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and you know. because it's, it's money for the league. Yeah, it's and, money and for the league. At the end of know. the day, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, that's what it's all about as a business. It's a forever growing business. And, you know, guys play preseason games. So if you take that game away and you're able to put some financial things in place for guys and some other concessions, you know, to make that deal sweeter for the players and obviously profitable for the owners, I think, you know, it's worthwhile. But I think now they're at a level in sports now with this. Uh, sports science and analytical mm-hmm. things to where they're able to manage guys, you know, mm. and see how much a guy runs throughout the week, you know, uh, his sleeping levels when he's away from the building, just everything. So I think just the data that they're able to keep on these guys, I think it's going to keep the injuries down and keep guys fresh throughout the 17 game season, because that was one of the bigger concerns was injuries. And I think injuries come in a lot of different ways. So you just can't put it on one more game, which everyone knows, Anytime you suit up in the NFL, it's going to get injured eventually. You know, no one plays 16 game season to come out and say, well, you know, I made it through fresh. But if you do that, your teammates <laughs> looking like, hey, he wasn't trying hard enough, you know. Right. So I think um, right. we're at a stage because I think eventually it's going to get to 18 game season. Um, do you? I don't know. Yeah. I know they pushed for 17, 18 initially and they got to 17. So I think eventually it probably gets to the 18. 
you look at the athletes that's coming out now, these guys can run around all day. It's just different times and different things. So I think on the way the league is growing, it's great. But at the same time, you have to monitor players and player safety too. Um, so, Jonathan, you played 15 years in the league. And before I ask you about the transition, I first want to ask you about your family because I know that you have a um, – last year you had you and your wife had a new baby. So how's the family and how's the, the, the newest Joseph, if you will? Oh, man, they're doing good. You know, um, all my boys I have three boys and a little girl. Yeah, we have a fresh 16-month-old, which he's, you know, he's jumping around, football, basketball, throwing it, just getting into everything, starting to talk. He's a typical 16-month-old, keeping us up late, keeping us busy. But, you know, for me, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. You know, obviously, playing football so long, not having the time, just spending around your family and your kids, and now having nothing but time to do that is different. But it's a new process, and I think, you know, obviously it's something that I love and enjoy, but it's new, like I said before. So for me, I'm just kind of like a glorified taxi cab. (laughs) (laughs) A safer Uber driver, right? Yes, man. Yes, man. You know, so um, just, you know, seeing them grow up in school and grow up and find their way in life and different things like that. Obviously, having me around the house more is helpful, Uh, you know, I think. We'll just see where it takes me from here. But I'm coaching over at my son's middle school team, volunteering at Grace Presbyterian. So I'm enjoying that. I think the kids out there are having a good time being coached by me. So I'm enjoying it. So let me ask you something. How did you know when it was time for you to retire? You know, I, I mean, had you thought about it for a few years? Or take me through that process of how you finally made the decision to say, this is it. Uh, I think... Like last year was kind of a different year, so you don't really want to use that year. And I and I had an offer to go back to play, and um, mm-hmm. had a neck injury that kind of didn't heal up the right way. It was kind of borderline, and the smart thing to do was not to play, you know, which made the uh, situation a lot more easier for me just to make that call. But um, I thought about it last year, you know, when I made the transition to a new team. You know, with COVID going on and everything, but I just know what I can and can't do. And I'm confident mm-hmm. in my abilities. And I would never be the one to go out there if I can't get something done. And I think, um, you know, going to Tennessee last year, I learned a lot. You know, obviously Mike Vrabel over there, Anthony Midget, those guys. But I was able to go out and help some of the younger guys in, play some good football for those guys, got released, went to Arizona, and got back reunited with Vance Joseph. And then I yeah. kind of, you know, got fresh air over there. You know, Tennessee was fine and cool and perfect for me, but it wasn't the same scheme that I was used to running, you know. So I've been doing something for so long, and now I'm kind of going over here to a different scheme in year 15, you know, and I enjoyed it. But just for me, it just wasn't the right fit overall. Um, and I think getting to Arizona, playing more man-to-man, playing aggressive and things like that, that was more liking for me, being in the locker room with those guys, you know, Hop, guy that I'm familiar with and things like that. And I had a chance, you know, be around Patrick Peters and Larry Fitzgerald, Chandler Jones. And that led to, you know, me enticing JJ, you know, a little bit to go over there. I knew how close those guys was. But those guys appreciated my time there to where they wanted to bring me back, you know, had a chance to come back. They was actually kind of a little upset that I wasn't able to sign sign back because just the short time I was there, what I brought to the locker room, brought to the defensive backfield. So um, with that being said, I kind of along the way, you know, you sit there, you see the way that the business has been ran. I've been around long mm-hmm. enough to understand it. And it's kind of one of those things. Do I actually want to be halfway in or halfway out? I don't want to be the old disgruntled guy 
So <laughs> the situation, you know what I mean? Because that's what yeah, happens a lot absolutely. of times. And the yeah. young guys sometimes kind of like push you off. And I've never been that guy. I'm only coming from, you know, positive vibes, good energy. I would never sit there, even if I think I can get the job done, you know, say anything because I understand my job is a backup now. My time is to come when I come in the game. So I understood their role, but I didn't know how long I wanted to do that role unless it was with the right team, you know? Mm -hmm. I was only going to play football this year if it was with the Arizona Cardinals. It was nobody else. So um, once I didn't pass my physical, that made that decision a lot more easy. But, you know, I was obviously working out each and every day, preparing for the season, and that's the business that we play in, you know? I'm just lucky. It just happened to be my time this time, but I've been playing for 15 years, see several other guys come to yeah. the same point in their career. And I wasn't blind to it. You know, we all handled it different. We all got different situations at the end. But I think at the end of the day, we all going to be a retired NFL player. So you said something I want to go back to. You said you kind of enticed JJ. So you are talking <laughs> to him about um, going to Arizona. I want to ask you about that. And also, you mentioned Chandler Jones. What a hell of a start did he have? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know that he's going to have five sacks every week. But um, he was a beast on Sunday, but talk about that Arizona team. How good do you think they can be and how um, JJ responded when you talked to him about Arizona? Well, obviously he went, so. You know, you know, football is different because just like I said, when I went to Tennessee, you know, you don't really see the plan until you're there for a few weeks and then you kind of see things going. Like Tennessee, I knew right away that it was a run-oriented offense, but you still didn't feel it until you actually got in the game and you're down two touchdowns and you're like, why are we running the ball? And then you see mm. Derrick Henry pop one for 70, then come right back and do it again. He said, oh, okay, it makes sense. So right. being in Arizona, I can see everything they was trying to do, but I can kind of see, I wouldn't say deficiencies, but I can mm -hmm. see certain areas where they were lacking at. And um, obviously, I think leadership is high in this league. Kyler Murray is a very young guy, talented, mm -hmm. been a leader his whole life, super talented. But I think you put the right pieces around him the right skill set, the guys in the right position. I think defensively that last year, they was a top one of the top 10 defensive teams last year. But I think, you know, they had some injuries. Obviously Chandler wasn't there. Now you bring in a guy like JJ to where JJ has never been paired with a guy like Chandler, which, you know, that's the way you can extend your career from a guy like JJ's standpoint, you know, and a guy like Chandler, he's in a contract year having the presence of JJ on the line that makes his job that much easier. And then you throw in the guy they have on the back end, Collins, Jordan Thompson, uh, JT, mm -hmm. Buda Baker. You know, Al Robert Alfred was banged up the last two years, didn't get to play, but he still has a high skill set. And I think this overall coaching job, mm -hmm. they are true player-friendly coaching staff, but hold those guys to a high standard and want it done the right way. And that's the one thing that stuck out with me there. They're not killing you in practice, but we're working hard and efficient. And, you know, we're going out to play each and every ball game to win the ball game, whatever it takes taking care of the players. And I knew at this point in stage in JJ's career, that's exactly what he's looking for. You know, um, everybody wants to win the championship and I think they have a chance, you know, and when you have that chance, that's all you can ask for. You know, it's times that I could have left the Houston Texans in free agency, but I just didn't know if the opportunity was much better than what I had with the guys that I was with, you know? So um, yeah. it wasn't about the money, you know, it was more so about riding my opportunity that I have with these guys here, that window only so long. I'm talking to Jonathan Joseph, uh, who is giving us brilliance. And I'm reminded of why I always was camped out at your locker after games, because <laughs> I got this each and every week. Um, so 
first of all, you said you're kind of coach, you're coaching at your son's school. Do you have any interest in uh, coaching at the NFL level or, or being a part of the personnel side? I mean, what's what's next for you? I think I, I absolutely do. I love the game. I'm never not stopped learning the game. You know, uh, told my wife the other day, I was like, we don't have the package. You know, <laughs> 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 you know, I got to just flip back and forth through multiple games. You know, and uh, that's just the way I watch it. I watch it as if I'm still in the game, but mentally I'm attached from the game. You know, you got to find different ways to get your passion out and your love for the game out. And I think you know it could be coaching, front office, or whatever that role may be because I'm still competitive. I still enjoy the game and like the game. And I know there's different ways that I can help, you know, because I'm just sitting here watching, you know, you can see a guy and he's going to get pre-snap or I'm just calling out all the plays, just watching it just from the formations, like I said, and things like that. So it's always that weird feeling because when you're around people and you're doing it, they start to look at you like, man, like what's wrong with you? Because I'm calling out like every play back to back and things like that. And just seeing the smallest little details and things. And they like, I would never look at that that way. But, you know, for me, it's always been about the technical things and certain things to where that can get you beat way before the snap. So for me, it's definitely something I want to get into, but it has to be the right situation around the right people. As you know, in this business right here, it's a forever cutthroat business. So, you know, I definitely want to jump into something that I don't want to be a part of. And then, you know, you're looking at it like you're unhappy, you know. You see that a lot of times with guys. I don't think guys take enough time off. They're just rushing into things, you know? So um, I think that's a great point. Taking the time off. What is the thing that you miss most about being in the NFL? Is it the camaraderie of the players? Is it suiting up on Sundays? What is it? I think it's everything. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, anytime you walk in that building, it's going to be something different, no matter what the day is. You know, because you got so many individuals in that locker room, so many people on the staff. Uh, throughout the building and you build relationships with those people no matter the team no matter who it is you know I think that's the biggest thing that you're going to miss about it because the game is the game you know we all want to compete at the highest level but it's those memories in the locker room just being around the guys of the equipment staff guys in the training room you know the mm-hmm. kitchen weight room just you know that part of it and obviously there's no experience like being out in the practice field you know going back and forth with the offense the coaches at the highest level and, you know, walking out the tunnel on Sunday is second to none in the NFL. You know, um, that's my biggest spill on it, you know. But for me, yeah, I kind of told myself, you know, I got to the point to where when I knew that once once I fast, passed, didn't pass my physical, mm-hmm. I just stopped working out, you know. Mm. And I did it on purpose. Just know because I knew, like, I'm not going to debate it. You keep going out. back. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm not working out like I'm going to prepare for an NFL game. I still work out and go to the gym. But why would I start keep working out like I'm an NFL player? It's only going to keep my mind attached to it, you know? So, for me, I scaled back on that a little bit. And, you know, once I wasn't hopping up out the bed at 6, 15, 6, 30 to go work out, I knew definitely I wasn't going to play in the NFL. Because <laughs> <laughs> that schedule is a whole, a whole other journey. For right? sure. It's all about your mind. You can't be halfway in and halfway out. You know, it's a long year, and it's going to be so many things that happen throughout the year that if your mind is not in it, that's a long, miserable year. When you started, um, when you first got into the league, did you think that you would play 15 years? I mean, because that's that's not typical, right? You know, we talk about guys playing three or four years, maybe five, but 15? Did you ever think you'd play that long? No, I didn't, actually. And I never put, like, a number or nothing on it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just went year by year. 
you know, I always felt good. I always wanted to stay young. So um, for me, I just always tried to be ahead of the curve, uh, take care of my body and just, you know, play as long as I could because at the end of the day, you know, he God put me here for a purpose and, you know, he gave me a talent. So for me, I just wanted to make the best of my talent and do what I could with my talent and get the most longevity out of it as I could. Obviously, you have to be smart with it. I've been blessed. I've had my share of injuries, but they've been timely, you know, mm -hmm. to where I can have the surgery in the offseason and come back and don't miss any games and things like that. So I think um, just once I got to that stage and once you get to like, it's kind of like I talked to maybe Kareem, you know, once mm -hmm. you get to year 10 and then they give you a three-year contract, like what else are you going to do? <laughs> right, know, like, right, right. I'm, I'm honoring my contract, so that pushes me to 13. And then if I'm still playing good at 13, what else do I do? You know, right. whether right. you, you know, when my heart is still in it, you know, if my heart wasn't in, I would have been stepped away, you know, but when you still have the heart, passion and the fire, and obviously still trying to win and your team have that close window, I think that will continue to push guys through. You know, if you're just on a bad team, I think you can easily kind of get pushed away. And I don't know if that will happen. You can see a guy like Calvin Johnson early in his career that has so much left. But, you know, winning and losing is a big difference in this league, and losing takes its toll. So before we let you go, Jonathan, because I know I probably kept you longer than I, than I said, but it's because you just always have such great stuff. What do you tell younger players about um, – how to kind of carry themselves in the league and how to get ready for the life after. Because I found with a lot of players, that transition is not as smooth as yours has been. It's difficult because they don't really have, um, their, everything they do is tied into their football identity and, their, and the other part of their life is not as developed. And so it's difficult to transition because it's like, well, this is who I am, now who am I? Of course, you have your family uh, and, and that has always been you know, a part of who you are. What do you, how do you advise players about being ready? Because at some point, like you said, we're, you're all going to be a former NFL football player. Just never think that, you know, you is going to last forever. Think, you know, when you, young guys come in, it takes one bad injury, just one bad mistake or anything to have you on the outside looking in. So I say for those guys, just cherish your moments, enjoy it while it lasts, because you never know when it can be your last game out there. But at the same time, you have to do everything that you can to prepare for life after football. You know, uh, I played 15 years, I'm 37 years old. And when I'm at home and wake up in the morning, all my friends are at work. You know, yeah. like, right, right. Most 30 year olds at home at work. So it's like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna find with your time? What's gonna be your interest and things like that. So just think about if you retire when you're 30 years old, if you play, or be 28 years old, if you only play five years. You know, things like that. So nobody's at home at 28. So now that brings into a lot of other different things that catch your attention and things like that. So you have to be really mentally strong, have a good support staff, and kind of have a plan. Although it's not going to be a perfect plan, but, you know, for me, I'm always just trying to learn and ask questions because I don't have it perfect neither. You know, I may have my days here or there. It's more so just mm -hmm. finding something to do because at the end of the day, most people that you're doing, your peers, they're out either still playing football and I live in the same state, or it may be a lot of different other things that you're accustomed to and you've been on a schedule for so long. You know, so I think the NFL is trying to do a better job about, you know, having things in place to where guys can transition a lot smoother and helping those guys out. And I think they should because everyone's financial situation is different. Everyone's medical situation is different. It's just so much that goes into when a player is done with the NFL to where, you know, I'll be the first. Your phone is not ringing. No one's calling or blowing you up. 
you know right. so you better have your things in order because that can be you know a lot of dark days for certain guys and i think just keeping your contacts you know because a lot of times we get out whether it's the nfl pa guys coaches that you came along with because you have your whole life ahead and you never know what may occur later on in life that you can you know that relationship that you build with someone throughout that time that can help you or you can just reach out to for certain things and i think another thing don't be afraid to use what the nflpa offer us mm. you know it's like so, you see guys get duis i'm just speaking in general because right um we all been there before and um but if they offer us a free car service and guys don't use it you know whose kind of fault is that yeah you i know, think you make a good point now. yeah I, you know jonathan you make a good point because i even in the recent like negotiations, and I know that there's going to be one coming up pretty, another one, a CBA uh, coming up pretty soon. I've always been just kind of disappointed that not more players participated, right? Had their voices heard, um, not just take advantage of it, but you know, uh, take advantage of the things that are out there, and also make your voices heard by voting. And I think that's important. I hope that more of them start to do that. Um, and realize it, it can benefit them even beyond when they're playing. Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't know, like, the numbers, but, you know, obviously the NFL is a league that's basically made up of minorities, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times we're first-time generational millionaires and things like that, you know, come into this situation in this spotlight, and we're learning along the way. So with that being said, I think we have to continue to learn, but at the same time, have a great support system that's helping us learn and use our resources. I think we both do that. The player will continue to grow after football and continue to have a successful life. And I think the football has already had his brand that's been there for however many years. I look good you know, you said, all along the way. You said something. I'm working on um, a book and a documentary. It's called When the Crowd Stops Cheering. And it, it's really kind of these conversations, right? Um, you said something. A lot of a lot of first time millionaires, you know, a lot of money with not without necessarily having the total foundation of how to how to how to, how to navigate it. And so what what can players do? Because I think, especially with some of the younger players, not all of them, the money's so big, I guess you just don't really think about not having it, right? Because it's so it's so big from if you look at now to where when you started. And right. I think it's difficult sometimes for a younger guy to say, Man, I I'm invincible. I got all of this and I'm just getting started. I don't have to worry about that. But you're saying you've got to be dialed in from the very beginning because it's not forever. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, more money you make, more expenses. It's just as you grow in life, you know, you get this money at an early age. But by the time you may figure out life, you may be 30 years old. Or by the time you get a family, you may be 35 years old. Now it's different things that you never knew about that come into play that you have to prepare for. Because now it's not about just you as an individual. Now you have a family. Now you have other things. So I think that's the biggest thing that come into play and having the right foundation, you know, raising your kids the right way, teaching them this and that and third. Because it's not the easiest job, like I said, because for a lot of us, it's first time. Mm -hmm. And we're learning along the way. So I think as long as we just continue to keep our eyes and ears open and reach out to each other and support each other and just use our resources, I think it'll be fine. Jonathan Joseph, 15 years in the National Football League, fully retired for the first NFL whole season, uh, adjusting to that. So how is it? Um, is your wife getting used to you being home all the time? Because that's got to be an adjustment for her, too. For sure. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, um, yeah, because I'm always been like on the schedule, so just having me around, yeah, it's definitely different. Just because you don't, she don't always have that other voice, you know. Right. Um, just most of the time, it's just her and the kids, however it may be, and um, not having me in there, I have some input, some say. So, so it creates a different little dialogue in the house at times, but it's fun. And to have three kids in the house to entertain you and keep, you know, keep us on our toes, it's just as fun also. So it's been a great dynamic for us. And I think um, at the end of the day, I'm definitely not having any more kids. I have, you know, my fair share that will keep me busy for a long time, you know, <laughs> a freshman that's 16 months old just starting back over again. So it's a good feeling to have and it's a good thing, but I'm looking forward to it. Jonathan, um, I appreciate you. I will uh, be calling you again. Uh, anytime you want to come and talk sports or whatever you want to talk about, you're welcome on Chalk Talk. So thank you for answering the call and showing up today. I appreciate you, my friend. No problem. Thank you, Kim. Anytime. Hey, did you um did you watch any of the U.S. Open? I meant to ask you that. Did you uh, check did out not. any of the tennis? Because it was the beginning nah, of football. No, I did not. Yeah. Yes. I, I missed thought about it. I you seen... and your daughter because there were some young players. Um some young, well, there's a young champion. So if you get a chance, go back and look at some of the highlights. Yeah, I seen people posting the pictures. A couple of my buddies on social media was there, but I didn't. But we're we're we're, head, we're trading in the right direction. All right, all right, Jonathan. All right. Thank you. I'll yep. see you soon, my friend. No problem. Thank you, Kim. Absolutely. All right, that is that was Jonathan Joseph, uh, former NFL football player, a former first round pick, spent 15 years in the National Football League, a couple Pro Bowls a really stellar career. And as you can see from listening to him, um, why he's somebody that I always talk to. <laughs> he was always a great person to um, talk to after games because he has so much knowledge about the game, right? So, you know, whether it's a post-game interview, um, just the, the business of sports and, and looking beyond just the difficult the, the typical, like, how do you feel question. So that was Jonathan Joseph. I appreciate him actually spending so much time with us today. And I, I told you I was going to run some tape. You, I'll put those on my um, social media platforms. I just thought to be able to spend that kind of time with Jonathan, that it was worth just hearing from him. So thank you guys for being a part of Chalk Talk today. I appreciate you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jonathan Joseph. And remember, if you're in the Houston area or Southeast Texas, uh, pay attention, even though the weather is supposedly moved on, just you know, look around, make sure that there's no water when you're moving around and make sure there are no down power lines because we did get a fair amount of wind. As always, stay safe. Uh, I'm encouraging you to get the COVID vaccine if you have not yet. Make sure that vaccine or not, that you are wearing your mask when you're moving around, that you are practicing social uh, distancing and just making wise decisions. These are crazy times, y'all. We gotta look, we gotta be safe for us and the people around us. So remember, do something kind for yourself and do something kind for somebody else. I'll see you next Tuesday on Chalk Talk. And in the meantime, uh, follow me on all of my social media platforms and I will give you updates on everything happening from Texans to um, the Astros and pretty soon the Houston Rockets. Have a great week, everybody. I will see you. Next time. Here we go.